0: Hello. Good afternoon. Uh, My name's Jessica. I'm filling in for Gina the Cheese Whiz. And this is noon on Tuesday. And uh, today we're going to be talking about meat. Yeah. (laughs) Charcuterie. Charcuterie. Um, Hannah, Hannah Robertson. Right, Robert. That's correct. <laughs> I don't know. Why. That's right. She was my employee. I don't know. Why I'm questioning <laughs> my memory of your last name. Um, she is going to be telling us all things about charcuterie today. Um, so, Hannah, nice to see you. We haven't yeah. seen each
1: other in a while. I know it's funny. Like all the managers at their different shops. Like we talk to each other on the phone all the time, but I we like
0: and now get to see your pretty face. I know
1: face to face. It's great.
0: Awesome. <laughs> Um, so, uh, do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, so
1: I guess I wanted to do like a little noon on Tuesday about charcuterie because I have a little history with, um, that kind of thing. Um, I used to work at Heart and Trotter briefly, um, in North Park, which is a really awesome whole animal butcher shop. Um, and so I got to learn about. You know everything from fresh, fresh meat cuts and fabrication to prepared meat, which is what charcuterie is. It's um, basically preserving the lifespan of meat. So anything cool. from like pâtés to prosciutto and hamon and salami and um, rillettes and all that delicious stuff. So
0: Ooh. yeah, yummy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, you kind of uh, broke down my next question, which was what is charcuterie. Um, but how does that relate to cheese? Yes, good question.
1: They kind of go hand in hand um, with pairing. There's there's two types of pairing, like pairing and um, contrast pairing. And with cheese and charcuterie, that's kind of like a like pairing. So you get um, you know cheese is is known for being like pretty salty and savory, which um, those same characteristics. Are evident in charcuterie, so you get some of the same kind of salty, um, savory notes. But of course, there's like a a wide range um, with like prosciutto and hamon. You get a little bit of sweetness too, like sweet nutty, which mm-hmm. you know, very complementary
0: to <laughs> a <laughs> that, natural pairing. Yeah, it's a real natural pairing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Like sunny and chair.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Just like sunny and chair.
0: <laughs> is there <laughs> is there any particular pairings that you like? Like, are there any particular favorite uh, charcuterie pairings that you like with cheese? Yeah,
1: I really... So, whenever... A lot of times people come up to the counter and they'll ask, like, I, you know, I have some prosciutto, I have some cured salami, and I'm looking for a cheese to pair with it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, like, basically all all cheese is going to pair pretty well with cured meat. Like, they're, as I said, they go hand in hand. But, um... Depending on the, the, like, if you have some prosciutto, um, since it's going to be, like, a little sweeter, it has kind of a softer texture, you might want to pair that with something that's, like, a little drier, kind of that textural contrast, and a little bit more, like, piquant, like, a classic pairing, of course, is prosciutto and parmigiano-reggiano. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, something that... those are how they came
0: up with that. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Geniuses. So that's also like a regional pairing because, you know, both from Italy. Cool. Yeah.
0: Speaking of prosciutto, so I get people come in and they kind of use, at least at my shop, I don't know about your shop, um, they kind of use prosciutto and jamon or serrano interchangeably. But that's, could you kind of explain the differences a little bit between uh, prosciutto and jamon?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for starters, they're regionally very different, so prosciutto is from Italy. Jamon um, Iberico and jamon serrano is from um, Spain. Um, I actually have them up here. I don't know if you guys can see, but the um, prosciutto is the one on my right, (laughs) (laughs) your left. (laughs) Um, And then the jamon is on the other side there. And um, some other kind of key differences is that, um, so the pigs that are used for the jamon, tend to be smaller pigs. Um, jamon ibérico is a little bit different than the jamon serrano that we have up here because it has even more spe- specifications that it has to fall under. It's, mm-hmm. a, um, it's a specific breed, yeah. um, which are the black footed um, Spanish pigs yeah. that eat exclusively acorns. Yeah. Um, jamon serrano, they also eat acorns, but they have like a little bit of a more varied diet. Um, and so jamon serrano is going to be really nutty mm-hmm. because of that, you know, really savory and um, kind of like that, like it fills up your whole mouth with that like yeah. super savory <laughs> super quality. Um, yes. While well, the <laughs> prosciutto, which the one I have here is the Piotosini prosciutto, mm-hmm. which is um, from the Parma region. So in Italy, there's two main prosciuttos, the prosciutto di Parma and the prosciutto sandaniele. Um, and Piotosini kind of brings it even more, like, central to Parma. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are really intentional about where they source their pigs from. Yeah, And they tend to be larger pigs and a little bit fattier. Mm-hmm. So the meat is a little softer and a little sweeter.
0: And um, and you were telling me something about the shape of this that yeah, makes it unique to yeah. other prosciuttos.
1: Exactly. So this particular um, prosciutto piotoscini is – the style that you would most frequently see in Italy. It's called legato. And basically what that means is rather than... So after they salt the legs and they hang them to cure them, Mm -hmm. so all of the moisture, the blood, the water, everything kind of drains out. um, And you're left with like this more dense meat. (laughs) Not to get too graphic. (laughs) But that's the process. Um, And so... In the States, we're used to seeing the legs are then like pressed. So, mm-hmm. like the like humong that, that you can
0: see. Very oval or like uh, rectangular. Strips. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, but with the Piotocini, it's kind of cool. Um, this one's like sliced a little bit further in, but when you first start slicing it, it's really evident. But um, the the slices sort of like butterfly out, which is really cool. And then as you get closer to um, the end of the leg, you actually end up with these like football sized like massive prosciutto slices Whoa. that are just gorgeous <laughs>
0: and I'm, I'm mad at that. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't exactly. want a football sized <laughs> slice of prosciutto? Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's pretty cool actually the Piotocini family they've been doing this since oh god, I don't know exactly, but a long a time. Long time. <laughs> yeah. A very long time, Trust us. <laughs> and um <laughs> and they so the restrictions for prosciutto di Parma you have to age the legs for 400 days, but with this particular one, they're aged the minimum of uh, 500 days. So okay. it's like even more time. Um, like for instance, we we obviously use the ones that are bone out, so mm-hmm. the bone can really impart a lot of flavor. So that extra 100 days of aging really adds a little bit of the
0: extra uh, flavor to the Ooh. the product. Little... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> pretty cool. Um. So. Staying on the topic of prosciutto and hamon, why is it um, why is it so important to slice it thin? Why is that the way the way it is?
1: Yeah. Well, um, so in in this realm of like cured meat, you have two different main kind of sections: the hamon and the prosciutto, and like speck which is over there, <laughs> over yonder. Yeah, this, um, those are all whole muscle cures. Okay. So. Um, Basically, in comparison to the, like, ground yeah. salamis, which are uh, a mixture of um, of meat and fat. So, normally, it's, like, pork meat and pork fat, but mm-hmm. you could have, like, beef and yeah. beef fat.
0: Um, so, they ground that up, and they put it into, like, a mix, and then they exactly. cure it in whatever the shape yeah. is. But these are the whole muscle?
1: The entire muscle. Uh-huh. They're the back leg of okay. the pig. And... um. Kind of like a rule of thumb, which actually is applicable to cooking as well, um, is those well-worked muscles, so like the shoulder and the, the leg, um, those are all going to be pretty tough because yeah. they're getting the most exercise, the animals using them, moving around, <laughs> but they also are going to have the most flavor because mm-hmm. they get the most blood flow. So okay. all of that myoglobin um, kind of adds to it. All that wet, the myoglobin so Ew. the blood, <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, adds to that flavor. Um, and so, when you're when you're cooking it or when you're slicing these whole muscles that you know have a a little bit of that tough quality, mm-hmm. one way to make it so they're really tender is to slice them really thinly against the grain. So. You can see when you're cooking, you can see like little fibers, Mm -hmm. and those fibers, if you um, cut along the the fibers, um, it's gonna be really stringy and chewy. Yeah. But if you just slice against them really thinly, it's gonna be that delicious texture, really soft and um, supple and delicious. Yeah. So pretty important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so maybe um, um. Let's, we have some pâtés out here, yeah. which are delicious. Do you want to explain what pâtés are? Yeah, sure. So for, pa- for our listeners who don't know what they are. Yeah.
1: Pâté is like an interesting thing, right? Because it's a cooked meat, but it's not served hot. It's served at room temperature, desirably. Mm-hmm. Um, and for... Our followers who follow us on Instagram and Facebook, we posted a question of what is call fat, and that's really actually an integral part of making pates. Um, when you're, it's it's a force meat. So basically, you're gonna um, grind up meat and mm-hmm. spices, and you can have like vegetables. Pretty much, you can really do whatever you like with that. Whatever you want, <laughs> go crazy. <laughs> um, and then you're gonna wrap it in some kind of casing, and really call call fat is one of the best choices, mm-hmm. um, call flat, bleh, call fat, <laughs> is a casing that lines um, digestive organs, so like the intestines and the stomach, mm-hmm. um, and it's like this really awesome kind of like lacy um, fat, and you can use pork call fat, which has a little higher fat, or beef call fat, mm-hmm. slightly lower, but, you know, still really delicious, and um, basically when you wrap your uh, force meat, vegetable, spice mixture up in that... Um, while you cook that yeah. <laughs> all up in there, uh-huh. <laughs> um, while you cook that, the the fat is gonna um, render, so it's gonna melt, and basically throughout the cooking process, that is gonna get like basted in this fat, so all that flavor is coming out. Um, but so yeah, basically that's how you do it, and you normally cook them in like a a water bath. So you could even make them at home. I know mm-hmm. a lot of restaurants around here make really awesome pates. Yeah. Um, and they. They do preserve the life of the meat, but just a little bit less than some of these cured, um, dried charcuterie yeah. items. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, yeah. What's the other besides call fat? What else could it be like? For-
1: well, I mean, you could use um, artificial casein as well. Um, a lot of salamis do that too. Like you can you can wrap aged meat in call fat too, but um, yeah, you'd have to take it off. Yeah. Basically, because <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't. Call fat. Call fat is completely edible. So yeah.
0: So, so maybe that's like the preferred. Definitely casing. the preferred casing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we get a lot of um, uh, customers. Sometimes they're asking us if there's nitrates in certain salamis, or you know, that's like a con- a newer concern. I feel like people yeah. have been, um, bringing up in the shop while they're shopping, or. Um, that they're conscious about. So can you elaborate on like what nitrates are?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think that it is really relevant and important to know what's in your food Mm -hmm. and um, you know, cured meat is something that I think should always be enjoyed in smaller portions rather than larger portions. Um, It's a, a pretty, like, concentrated substance, you know, like yeah. high salt, high fat. Um, but you don't need a lot of it to, mm-hmm. you know, really experience the whole shebang that it offers. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so that being said, um, the nitrates are a really important part of curing meat because they prevent um, all that bad bacteria mm-hmm. from entering the meat during the curing process. Um, there's a there's a disease called botulism that I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that um is really dangerous it causes paralysis death you don't want it Yikes. <laughs> um it's yeah. so anyway even though like these places that cure meat they're they're like you know the cleanest most sanitary most yeah. intentionally designed places there's still always that really small chance that um that bacteria could be present. So nitrates are added normally to the salting mixture mm-hmm. um, with whole muscle cures, and actually right into the cure, um, like right into the grind in the um, in the salamis, and um, so, and that's to present prevent botulism. Yeah. But so basically, so people what... have latched on to this yeah. nitrate thing at because nitrates can break down and it's kind of, it's a little like a lot of different words, but basically nitrates break down into nitrites, which in the right conditions can break down into nitrosamines, mm-hmm. which um, are proven to cause cancer. Okay. So, you know. So that's what people are asking. You'd want to avoid that, right? Yeah. Cause <laughs> it's a bad thing. So um, people hear that, and they assume that that means that cured meat causes cancer. Yeah. But it's a little bit of a jump because, um, so basically, sorry, I'm not explaining this very well, but basically, so there's another, there's another substitute. Most vegetables actually have naturally occur- occurring nitrates. Yeah. So, um, on those products that say uncured mm-hmm. or nitrate f- free, um,
0: there's still, it, natural. still
1: naturally curing nitrates in there. The difference between the natural occurring nitrates and the um, manufactured nitrates is that is basically the presence of vegetables that have different um, nutrients in them, yeah. which actually inhibit the nitrites from turning into nitrosamines
0: did everybody get <laughs> ha
1: <laughs> so so um when when charcuterie makers add nitrites, or nitrates to mm-hmm. their products they actually add vitamin C or some other kind of similar um, nutrient which also prohibits the nitrates from turning into nitrosamines okay so
0: so it's all
1: it's all prot- basically the same yeah <laughs> Um, sorry, that was a, a long way to get to that. Point, okay. But Sometimes I wanted to explain take the whole seat thing. Around, okay, it's cool. I like. It. I, I just think it's important to know because so many people have latched onto this idea. Yeah. <clears> um, <throat> when in reality, there's really hardly any difference. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of like one of those fads that I wish people would like. You know, just do a little extra research mm-hmm. into before assuming that you know nitrates are causing cancer because. Yeah. Um, there's FDA restrictions against adding just straight nitrates without any other kind of nutrients to counteract the um, nitrates from turning into nitrosamines. So, um, our government has our back, I guess, in that in that respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In
0: <Thank goodness. laughs> that one thing. <laughs> that one thing. <laughs> the more you know. Well, that was yeah. really interesting. I think that is, yeah, a really important topic because, yeah, like you said, people kind of latch on to these hot topics or hot Uh, things to avoid but they don't really know exactly what they're trying to avoid exactly they haven't really done the research they're just uh what's it alternative facts or something yeah (laughs) in food (laughs) alternative facts of food um so that was really informative um okay so uh enough about meat (laughs) but there's more (laughs) i mean there's plenty more to learn about meat. and if you go to um liberty station uh hannah that's where she manages and works so you can ask her all the questions about (laughs) nitrates but um so speaking of liberty station that's our newest location inside of the public market um what can you tell us that makes that place so it's so unique and different i worked the f- the first day that it opened and yeah and i work <laughs> at like mission hills which is like the little neighborhood shop and so yeah public market's pretty like bustling it
1: is it's a really fun environment um so basically what it is is this grand food hall that has <laughs> all these different um individual vendors so all you know, small businesses that have different little stalls and spots throughout the market Mm -hmm. um, that offer everything that you want, basically, in the food world. (laughs) There's, like, this amazing um, butcher shop, a fishmonger, so you can even do some of your shopping there. Um, There's, like, Thai food, coffee, Mexican food, lobster rolls. Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> Pastries, crepes, like everything, basically. And beer and wine. And there's beer and wine. And
0: you can actually purchase beer and wine and walk throughout the market. You yeah. don't have to stay, like...
1: I think that, um, that fact really does set us apart from a lot of similar concepts. Yeah. Um, so... There's actually three different bars <laughs> in there. There's the there's Bottlecraft, which um, last week actually, if you're interested, we um, did a, a segment about our shop in North Park, which shares a space with Bottlecraft. Mm-hmm.
0: There, um, Bottlecraft.
1: So we yeah, we're lucky enough to also share a space with Bottlecraft, um, which is the main beer bar, mm-hmm. and then there's a cocktail bar where they do all sorts of crazy things. They have, like, this market, Bloody Mary, which is amazing, and then there's a wine bar, which is run by grape smugglers, which is...
0: Which, every time you hear that, name, <laughs> it just makes me giggle. It's <laughs> so amazing. It's
1: so fun, and you can just bring... You can get a drink, and the entire premise has... Uh, um alcohol permit, so you can just take your drink wherever you'd like. You can do your shopping. Mm-hmm. You can sample cheese and drink your wine. Yeah, the beer. day that I worked there, people yeah. had
0: some beverages, and yeah. I was like, oh, what are you drinking? And then we sampled some stuff that yeah. would pair nicely with whatever they were drinking. It's so fun. Um, but also the cool thing about the public market is there's the mess hall, and there's kind of like a little like open restaurant area. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about um, – like, some of the events that happen at Liberty Station that are kind of unique to that yeah. location. Like, that, you guys, uh, last month you guys cut a whole 200-pound wheel yes, of Emmentaler. Yes, we did, dollar. yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. elaborate a little bit so, on that.
1: So, um, we do these <coughs> monthly whole wheel cuttings um, because we have the space available to us. And um, this this last one was this gigantic wheel of Swiss cheese, which is kind of, like, the great-great-grandmother of all Swiss cheese. It's yeah. called Emmentaler. Um, actually, the distributor came and... Gormino. Gormino. Mm-hmm. One of the guys from Gormino Joe. He came and helped us cut into it. And Because um, you need help when yeah. <laughs> it's 200 pounds. It was it was really fun. We did it for our, our, the anniversary of the market. So Happy anniversary. Yay! <laughs> it's been open just about a year, a little over a year. And... Um, this next one that we're doing, we're going to be cutting into a gigantic thirty-pound wheel of Pleasant Ridge Reserve. Thirty, which, 30 pound, thirty-pound wheel of Pleasant wow. Ridge Reserve. Yeah, so that's, that's like
0: triple the size. Pretty they're much about nine pounds usually. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. lucky us! Thank you, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> go Andy Hatch
1: from Woo. Upland's Dairy. So that's a actually a domestic maker out of Wisconsin, um, and he's just made a few gigantic wheels of his best-selling cheese. That's which awesome! Is going to be really fun, <laughs> and um, yeah, and then we also do some classes there at mm-hmm. the public market. So um, we the next upcoming one is going to be um, a pizza making class Ooh. that's held um, in in conjunction with the the mess hall chef uh-huh. um, or. The pie bar chef, I guess the mess hall is just that whole space. So the pie bar chef who um, works for Blue Bridge, and his name is TK. And so we're going to be doing this whole kind of pizza-making educational class, like cooking with artisan cheese, making delicious pizza. Awesome. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and, then we,
0: and then we have one with uh, Eric from the Dana Firefly, too, right? Yes. Yeah. He's and- awesome. He he shops at all the shops. He, gets, he likes to get around to all the shops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we all know him (laughs) yeah we all know him so that's gonna be awesome (laughs) yeah
1: and we're doing like a whole cheese dinner party with him but that's gonna be held at the dana hotel so um but just down the way you know like yeah yeah and Um, um really beautiful location too to have like that kind of class the setting is just gorgeous awesome so um that's gonna be really fun we're lucky to get to do all these. You know, that's part of the reason that the market is so special because there's so many people to collaborate with. Yeah, collaborations. It's, yeah, it's really fun.
0: It's Like P. Diddy up in there. That's right. Collaborating <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we uh, wrap up a little bit, maybe you can tell me what's uh, new in your case or what you're liking in your case at Liberty Station.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so... <laughs> We, we just cut into actually a wheel of, um, a cheese that's from the same region as Emmentaler called Gotelf. And yeah, and it's actually, it's named after the poet, um, from a really famous poet from that region, which, Mm -hmm. um, if you come into the shop, I can show you, but the wheel of, of Emmentaler has like this intricate design that's just so
0: beautiful. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's gorgeous. And I guess it depicts all the different, like, it depicts scenes from different poems that he wrote. And so this is another cheese that's kind of, like, made in his honor. Wow.
0: Um, yeah. It's, what a so, lucky guy. I know.
1: <laughs> One day, one of these days, I we'll have cheeses made in our honor. I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like this amazing, like kind of fruity, winey. Okay, nutty. I
0: actually haven't had that one. Yeah. So we'll have to exchange uh, yes. cheeses.
1: Oh, um, wait, really quick. Also, come in and try Death and Taxes. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Shauna. <laughs> Shout out to
0: Shauna. Uh, did you bring me that piece? That I didn't. Did? Oh, <laughs> gosh. That's the only reason why I showed up today. All right. No, just kidding. Um, Well, uh, for Mission Hills, we just got um, a wheel, a 25-pound wheel of Alex, which um, the first time I tried that actually was at CMI. Um, So it's a really awesome, dense, creamy-bodied, alpine-style uh has like a nice balance of um, fruit and cured meat flavors um a uh, Jonathan from Anyata he said it, it reminds him of uh, baked potatoes Ooh. and melted cheese yeah <laughs> so um albert cross um he uses that's the cheesemaker he uses milk from both his brother and their neighbors um and their herds it's all from um hay Hay-fed milk, uh, hay-fed cow's milk, um, so kind of interesting. That's awesome, yeah. Um,
1: little sweeter,
0: yeah. <clears throat> and then Alex, the name Alex is named after uh, the train system that connects the countryside to um, southern Germany to Munich. Um, uh, but yeah, I'd say like that's like what's hot in my case right now. I'm yeah. really loving that one. And then I do have, uh. A second one, but I only have two more wheels left, so I didn't really want to promote that too much. <laughs> but it's the new Willoughby that's washed in the Almanac um, Pluot sour beer. I'm like, that is my jam. Um, so I actually went to the uh, California Artisan Cheese Festival and I took one of the beer and cheese pairing classes, and that was one of the beers that we tried, and it was my favorite one. <laughs> and so a week later, I saw that this cheese came out, and I was like, oh you will be mine. Yes, you will be mine. (laughs) You're coming into my case. And so it's been a hit ever since, but like I said, I only have two more wheels. So if you want them, you better hurry up and come get them. (laughs) Um, So as we wrap up, uh, I just want to thank Hannah. Thanks for sharing all your information. Um, And we want to thank specialty produce um, podcast and Alex, not just the cheese, but the producer And we hope you join us next week um, at noon on Tuesday. Yay.